Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 105 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 28th of April 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, Part 37. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. You'd like to be opening your Bibles again this morning to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's holy word. Again, beginning in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Father, we thank you again this morning, Lord, from the depths of our heart. Lord, for the privilege of knowing that without any doubt alone, Lord, our faith, our hope for now and for all eternity rest in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. Now, Lord, as we look into your word again this morning, we do pray earnestly, Lord, that Lord, that you would take and by the power of your spirit that you would make this word alive into every heart here today. Lord, you know the needs. You know those that are hurting. You know those that are downtrodden, those that are discouraged. Lord, you know those that just need a fresh challenge or need to, Lord, be strengthened for that which you have for them for the week ahead. Lord, you know those that might be lost and don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know that one that maybe they are your child, but Lord, they really have been walking at a distance and they just need to be nearer to you today. Whatever the need, Lord, Lord, would you speak to hearts as only you can and help us, Lord, please. Lord, first of all, that, Lord, we would have not just open ears, but open hearts to be receptive to that which you have for us. And Lord, we pray that in whatever way we need to today, that from our hearts, we will respond to your word. Of course, in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. As we continue this morning in our series on contending for the faith, the 105th sermon in this uh, series, and of course, as we've been looking at the glorious church of Jesus Christ, today marks the 37th sermon on that subject, and for the last number of weeks, we have been looking at the operation of a New Testament church the uh, focus, the functions of that church. And as we look there today, we find that as we have looked at the ministry of worship and the ministry of witness and the ministry of the word, the ministry of work, we have one other function that we want to look at today. And I said to you last week that it is the ministry of what I'm simply calling the ministry of warmth, uh, the ministry of fellowship. Uh, Verse 42 there in our reading says, And they continued steadfastly 
and the apostles' doctrine, which we've already looked at, and the next word says, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. That simple word, fellowship. I hope today that you'll be reminded from God's word that the kind of fellowship that we have as his children, the kind of fellowship that we have only as Christians, the kind of fellowship that we have as a body within a, a local church, that it is something very special. It's something that the world cannot know, that the world does not know, that they cannot experience. The word that's translated here, fellowship, in your Bible in the Greek is koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship, association, community, communion. It means joint participation. It means intimacy. It's a lot more than just knowing somebody and just getting along with somebody. It speaks of a very intimate relationship of two people that are sharing in something together. I hope that as we think of these definition and what it means to us, that it will help us to understand when I speak of the ministry of warmth. You see, I'm using that word not just because it starts with a W. I mean, I did want to keep my alliteration going to hopefully make it easier for you to remember but because this biblical fellowship that we're speaking of here is, it is one of genuine warmth like no other. The fellowship should be seen in the context of everything that follows that we've already looked at and talked about there when we looked at these people and the way that they, they worked and served one another. We saw that that mutual sharing and that mutual concern when we talked about the ministry of works. You see, this kind of fellowship, this koinonia fellowship, it, it involves joint participation. It involves a, a community. It's not just a, a handshake and carry on. There is some level of fellowship that can be known by two or more individuals that have something in common regardless of whether they're a Christian or not, regardless of whether they're in the world or in the church, there is a level of fellowship where people can find a common ground. They can find a common purpose, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But the warm, intimate fellowship that we're speaking of in Scripture, it's not like any of those fellowships that, that the world can know, that it can experience. It truly is a, a warmth like no other that you can find anywhere else in the world. It's the subject of entire books that have been written on the subject, and easily so. But today I want us just to try and look as far as we get with just three aspects of this koinonia fellowship that the Bible speaks of. You see, we can understand. We can know. God doesn't tell us something just to let it pass through us and, and never have a, an impact on our lives in any way. Well, what can we know and understand from God's Word about this one word in our reading today? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, 
But they also continued steadfastly in fellowship in this koinonia. What was it in this church in Jerusalem, this first church that was established there? What was this fellowship that they continued steadfastly in? Well, that's the very first usage of that word anywhere in your Bible. Now, you'll find the word fellowship in the Old Testament, but but not koinonia fellowship, not what this church is continuing in here. There's another 17 verses found in the Bible that together give us very important insight into just what it is that this church was continuing in and that we need to be continuing in today. Ministry of warmth within the church that can be found in this intimate kind of koinonia fellowship. First of all, I want you to realize that this this koinonia fellowship, this fellowship that the Bible is speaking of here is dependent upon Christ. That's what we were singing about. That's why the world can't know it. Notice Paul's word in his greeting to the church in Philippians chapter 1, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 1, as Paul begins his letter to this church, notice what he says. He says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Paul is pouring out his heart to these people. He begins by telling them just how much they mean. And that word there in verse 5 says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That's that koinonia fellowship that he's speaking of there. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day. What was the first day? The first day that gospel worked in their life. The first day that they became a child of God. The first day that they became a Christian. That's when that fellowship became a reality. From the first day until now, we can have that confidence. And he goes on, of course, and as he continues, it's not just from the first day and it's not just to now, but he says in the next verse, until the day of Jesus Christ, what God began, he will finish till the day that the Lord returns for you. So we find that here again, the kind of fellowship that is being spoken of here in our Bibles is a fellowship that is completely dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn back just a page or two in your Bibles in his letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3. Notice what Paul writes to this church. 
He says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose, which is purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. He said there in verse 9, he speaks of to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery this koinonia fellowship, this intimate sharing fellowship of the mystery. What is the mystery there? Well, he told us, that's what he said in verse 6, that the Gentiles, you and I, the non-Jews, should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He says this is something that was completely hit. They didn't even know about it in the Old Testament. It can only become a reality because of Jesus Christ. You know it today because of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That mystery, folks, is the church, fellow heirs with Israel of the Old Testament. You see, it can only come in Christ by the gospel. Turn just a few pages back in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Here a third church that the Apostle Paul is writing to. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We just got through seeing that God had this all planned even before the foundation of the world. He had it planned for us, this intimate relationship that we could have with him and have with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. He's telling the church here at Corinth, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom ye were called. God's the one that called you unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Quinonia fellowship once again there 
And of course, we had time, and if you want to read on it another time, you'll find that as Paul goes on, he, in detail here, he contrasts this Quinonia fellowship that they've been called to in the Lord Jesus Christ to the great divisions that they were experiencing in the church at Corinth. This intimate fellowship, this Quinonia fellowship has been given to you in Jesus Christ, and yet as a church, you're not experiencing it. Why? Because of all the divisions that are there, because... You're following your human hearts, your human wisdom. You're dividing yourself on your human leaders. Well, I'm of this one and I'm of that one and I'm of somebody else. He says, remember. Remember that Quinonia fellowship that is yours in Jesus Christ. Later, in this same letter to this church, Paul addresses the divisions in this church that were in direct relation to the Lord's table when they would come around the Lord's table in faith. We've looked at that. We discussed the, the importance of unity at the Lord's table. We looked at that in great detail when we looked at the, the ordinances of the church. Paul specifically uses this word again there, this koinonia fellowship, in leading into the many things that he's going to discuss with them about the Lord's table. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, we have these words recorded. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? We have the word communion used tw twice here. In the original, there are actually two different words. And it's that first one there, not the communion of the blood of Christ. Is not this the communion of the blood of Christ? Is not this the quinonia of the blood of Christ? The exact same word that's translated in our Bibles there. We find that this quinonia fellowship, you see, it is dependent upon Christ. It's more specifically, it's even dependent upon the blood of Jesus Christ. And even as they come around the, the Lord's table to remember that, it's that intimate relationship that we have, that, that sharing in with Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood. We find that if you look where he was writing to the church at Philippi again, he speaks of this again in Philippians chapter 3. Notice what he says there beginning in verse 7. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, 
if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. You see, this Koinonia fellowship that we have in the church that is totally dependent upon Jesus Christ, that is totally dependent upon Jesus Christ shedding his blood here is totally dependent upon us being somehow related to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Of course, a lot could be said about this Quinonia fellowship that is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but when we begin to talk about being identified with his sufferings, to be identified with his death. But he says, you know, <laughs> I've got to be in fellowship with his death, with his sufferings, so that I can experience the power of his resurrection. You see, this is the intimacy that we have together as a body as well. It's dependent upon Jesus Christ. One without Christ can't know that. They don't have this fellowship with Jesus Christ, the fellowship with his blood, the fellowship with his suffering. That's what we're tied together with. You see, from these verses, I believe they show us clearly that this Koinonia fellowship that the church at Jerusalem was continuing steadfastly in totally, completely, and utterly dependent upon Christ. It didn't exist anywhere else outside of Christ. It can only be known through Christ. It can only be experienced through the gospel, through his death, his burial, his resurrection. You see, that's why I can say with absolute certainty that I don't care how close the friendships that you have, I don't care what kind of bonds that you have in fellowship. It is impossible to know the kind of fellowship, this Koinonia fellowship that we're speaking of, that this church continued it. It is impossible to know that in the world. It's impossible to know that any place on earth with any people on earth outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Only through the new birth can one even enter into this fellowship the ministry of warmth that is a function of the church, the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that Koinonia fellowship that is ours, it is totally dependent upon Christ. But secondly, it's not only dependent upon Christ. Notice that it is distinctive to the church. Now, there's no doubt that some people could listen to this and they get all kinds of upset with me because they wouldn't agree with what I'm about to say. You see, some would say that the church isn't necessary for the Christian, that the church isn't necessary for Christian fellowship. Some would put forth the premise that they can have all the fellowship that is necessary in the context of a universal church. With all those that call themselves Christians. Now the basis of that fellowship, it can vary a lot. You can start out with, with, with I guess, the most liberal view that 
says that that fellowships with anybody that says they love the Lord. As long as they say they love the Lord, that's fine. For some, it would be, well, to those that agree with them on specific beliefs. I mean, other things can go, but, you know, as long as they believe like I do, for example, on the doctrine of Calvinism, then I can have fellowship with them. As long as they believe like I do on the matter of spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues, then everything else goes, I can have fellowship with them, and they will set their fellowship based on one or two specific things that is important to them. To some, which might be uh, considered a more evangelical view, where they would say that they can have their fellowship is with all those that are in the gospel. Fellowship in the gospel. And it's good to have fellowship in the gospel. Of course, you come to the more strict view of those that believe, well, I'll have fellowship with you as long as you believe exactly what I believe and practice exactly how I practice and do it exactly how I do it and feel about it like I feel, then we'll have fellowship. If not, you're wrong. I can't fellowship with you. There's all everything in between. Folks, there are undoubtedly different levels of fellowship that's possible with different Christians. There is a level of fellowship that we can have with any brother or sister in Christ, but not the koinonia fellowship that we're speaking of here. It's nice. It's sweet. You can go anywhere in the world. And to meet a brother or sister in Christ, it's like, you know, here's somebody that, that, you know, you almost feel like that you've known them forever and you just met them. There is a degree of this fellowship that's there. There is a level of it. But I direct your attention back to the fact that we're not talking about just any kind of fellowship that we would tend to think of. We're talking specifically about one kind of fellowship, and that's this koinonia fellowship that the church was continuing steadfastly in. That word is used a total of 20 times in your Bible in 18 different verses. There's two verses where the word's used twice. Of all those 20 times that is used, it is used distinctively in the context of the local church. So these people can talk all they want about their universal church. That's not the way it is in the Bible. I challenge anyone to show me otherwise. There's only one exception that it doesn't specifically speak about or to a local church. And there it's not being used to point to any fellowship outside of the church. We find that it's simply being used to speak of God's pleasure with Koinonia Fellowship. How pleased that God is with it. Now, if all the other 19 times it's used directly In a local church setting, it would be a pretty serious violation of biblical interpretation to make that one different when there is absolutely nothing there to lead one to do so. The words were being written to Jewish Christians in the book of Hebrews as they were being taught and being reminded of a better way than their Judaism in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, it says, By him, speaking of Christ, 
Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Verse 16, yeah, we're to do that. We're, we're to offer the sacrifice of praise. We should continually be in giving him thanks. But, he says, to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Offer a sacrifice of praise to God. I don't care if you feel like joy and happy and it's easy to praise him. Offer a sacrifice. A sacrifice may cost you something. Offer a sacrifice of praise to God. Continually, he said, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But while we do that, he says, offer those sacrifices, but at the same time, we're not to forget doing good. And what's that next word there? And to communicate, forget not. Guess what? The word that's translated communicate there is koinonia fellowship. <laughs> koinonia fellowship. And offer those praises to God from your lips. But while you're doing it, don't forget to do good. And don't forget this koinonia fellowship. Why? Because it pleases God. God is pleased. And our fellowship is this special koinonia fellowship that he's given to us in Jesus Christ. We find that as we begin to think about that, knowing that 19 of the 20 times that the word is even used is specifically in a local church context, and the one time that it's not, is simply stating God's pleasure in that fellowship. When only a fellowship, I believe it's fair to say, is something, it's a kind of fellowship that is distinctive to the church. Yes, we talked about the church in prospect, and there is absolutely no doubt that when the trumpet sounds, when the rapture takes place, and we're all out of here, and we're gathered together as his body, as his church, oh, there'll be a koinonia fellowship like you've never experienced in your life. But right now, we're not there. We're here. And it's here in his local church that that's to be experienced. That's the way he spells it out to us in Scripture. You see, it's through this type of Quinonia fellowship that is a church that we should function in this matter of what I'm calling the ministry of warmth. <laughs> a fellowship like nothing else in this world within the church and then throughout the world. You see, it was, it was the Quinonia fellowship that we're talking about that made Philemon's faith become active and to become powerful and in turn bring blessings to the other saints. I mean, just stop and think about it. When you're feeling all downtrodden, you're feeling alone, you're feeling like nobody else cares, do you think that's a time when you're going to be really exercising that faith and excited about doing something for the Lord? The truth is, it's this kind of fellowship 
than what we see here that makes our faith active. It makes it powerful. It makes it do something. Notice what it says in Philemon chapter 1. Philemon chapter 1. And of course, there's only one chapter, so you can't get in the wrong chapter. Tiny book. After Timothy, after Titus, then comes Philemon. Notice what he says here in Philemon chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Paul said, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. You find that uh, as you look there in verse 6, he said that the communication of thy faith, the Quinonia, fellowship of your faith, may become effectual. Literally, that word means may become alive, may become powerful. That the Quinonia, fellowship of your faith, might become active, alive, powerful. And of course, that in turn sends a message to the rest of the church and even other churches a lot of times. We see that power that he's talking about he, with Philemon. He's telling him, you know, the, the Koinonia fellowship of your faith. He says, when that makes your faith alive, when it makes it powerful, it's blessing other people. Other people are seeing this in your life. Well, we see that exact same power that he's talking about. Surprisingly enough, we see it at work in the very passages of Scripture that we often refer to when we're talking about our faith promise giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, notice what he says here, beginning in verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. He said in verse 4, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
He's talking about, you know, we, we, we see in Philemon, he's saying, you know, that it's this fellowship of your faith that's going to make your faith active, that's going to make it powerful. And then is it coincidence that that same word is what is used here in speaking of the Quinonia fellowship of the ministering to the saints when what they were doing, the action that was coming from the church at Macedonia was beyond their power. Their faith was active. Their faith was powerful. What they were doing was out of deep poverty. It wasn't something that they could do. It was what God was doing through them. And it was being made possible because of their Quinonia fellowship. The very next chapter, in chapter 9, we find that the Scriptures tell us this. He says, beginning in verse 11, he says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. For by their prayer for you, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Verse 13, when he says, For your liberal distribution unto them and to all men, for your liberal koinonia fellowship <laughs> unto them and to all men. You see, these verses show us the, the powerful results that true koinonia fellowship will bring about, what it will, will do to our faith when Paul writes to these churches. Man, what happened to that clock back there? <laughs> we find that I'll give you two more passages and we'll leave it there for today. When he's writing to the church at Galatia, he uses this term to describe the leaders of the Jerusalem church, the apostles in particular, in showing their approval and their partnership with him in his preaching of the gospel and building of churches amongst the Gentiles. Galatians chapter 2 verse 9 says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the brethren and they unto the circumcision. The right hand of koinonia fellowship is what is there in your Bible. You see, this is very much in the same way that our church today, not only does koinonia fellowship directly have to do with how strong our faith is and the action of our faith and what we're able to accomplish that is beyond us, but is God alone. But it also is in direct relation to the relationship that we have with our missionaries when we do help them go out there. You see, Paul and Barnabas were getting ready to leave and go to the Gentiles. But these out of the church in Jerusalem, they were in this with them. There was a special bond there. 
And, of course, the right hand was something that, again, was very meaningful in that days. And a handshake used to be very meaningful in our days. And it's still something we as a church, when we bring people into membership, we give them the right hand of fellowship. That's really the right hand of koinonia, fellowship. When we join ourselves with our missionaries, it's not only the finances, but the sending them there. It's not just the money that they need. We're in this together. Unless we do it together, it's not going to be accomplished. The Quinonia Fellowship, it wasn't only responsible for the churches meeting the needs of missionaries, though, but they were ministering, yes, to those that were spreading the gospel, but to saints that were just simply in need. They were just hurting. In Romans chapter 15, I'll give you this last passage this morning. Romans chapter 15. Notice what the Word of God tells us here. I'm going to begin reading in verse 25. It says, But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, where it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. In verse 26, when it says that to make a certain contribution for the poor saints, which were at Jerusalem, that's to make a certain koinonia fellowship for the poor saints. You see, the Koinonia Fellowship was working through the churches here in Macedonia and Achaia to meet the needs of the poor saints that were at Jerusalem. The churches get all hung up with their programs and their dues and their, all the things that they're doing and all the actions, but the simple truth is, folks, it's when we know that Koinonia Fellowship that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems totally clear to me from these passages that the Koinonia Fellowship that we're talking about, that this church continued steadfastly in, it was something that was distinctive to the church. <laughs> they didn't know it outside of that. It was a powerful, powerful force within the church that actively brought about ministering to those that were in service as their missionaries, to the needs of others that were poor and in need. It was a powerful force within their church. You see, the ministry of warmth, the ministry of Quinonia Fellowship is dependent upon Christ and it's distinctive to the church. We'll come back and we'll look at some other things, God willing, next week. But I want you to know today that if you're here, listen to me carefully. We're talking about something very, very special today that if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life and heart, you've never experienced it. You've never even tasted of it. Maybe you've wondered sometimes, you know, what, what was missing, where that, that real fellowship was at. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, wouldn't you like to know that kind of fellowship, that intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ, with his body? It's totally dependent upon him. The first step you have to take in knowing it and experiencing it is trusting in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to do that today if you haven't.
But church, maybe you are saved. Maybe it's all there in Christ. But it says here it's distinctive to the church. How's your fellowship within the body? This is all tied in in that verse. Their, their intimacy, their love for one another was such that everybody else meant more than me. It wasn't a matter of whether I was hurting or I was down and I was this and I was that. It's the other person that's hurting. It's not a question of what I deserve and what I need. See, I've said to you many times and I say to you again, I can look at every one of you eyeball to eyeball and say, I thank God for you and that you're here today. I mean that with all my heart. The simple truth is, is that if you're here for what you can get out of it, if you're here because you hope the preacher would say something to entertain you or make you feel better or whatever, as long as that emphasis upon what it's going to do for you and what it means to you, you're going to miss your main, main point of being here. It's not important that you're here for you. I mean, it is important that you're here for you. But the most important reason that you're here, brother, is for somebody else. The person sitting beside you, behind you, in front of you. The person you may speak to following the service. The others that are down. The others that are hurting. It's when you reach out to them. That's, that was the result of their Quinonia fellowship. You see, they continued in the apostles' doctrine. We've talked about the importance of that. But this intimate fellowship, relationship that was there. That was what it was that brought the work, the service that we saw. That was what it was that brought them to the point of putting others before themselves. Folks, I want you to know that kind of fellowship today. I don't have any bones to pick and I don't have any notches to mark up. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. You need to know that. I don't care what else you do in this world. You need to know that today. And you need to make sure of that today. And Christian, if you know Jesus, but you're missing out on this, maybe you've been walking at a distance from him, maybe from the other people around you. You're just making it harder on yourself. You're missing what can be yours. You're missing the power that can be in your hands. That's beyond you. It's beyond all the situations. It's beyond everything that the world has. The intimacy that is ours in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you this morning for this time. Lord, I can honestly pray from the depths of my heart that I haven't, Lord, even been able to grasp and, Lord, put across what you've put in my heart. I know, Lord, that for a person that's never experienced this, there's no way of explaining it to them. I know that for a person that has been there and is missing it, I know that the hurt is real. And I know that's where Satan wants to keep them. Father, today I pray that you'd help us as a church. Oh, we do need to continue steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine. Lord, we need to continue steadfastly in this Quinonia fellowship that is like no other fellowship in the world, like no other bond in the world. There's nothing else to experience it. There's nothing, Lord, that can bring more power from our faith. It makes our faith active. It puts to work. Father, we pray that you would help us as a church. See, just as Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, 
was there. It was a possibility for them, but they weren't experiencing it because they were bickering over all these little different things. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Help us to know the colonial fellowship that, first of all, that is ours in Christ, dependent upon him, but, Lord, also that is distinctive to your body. We give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Mm-hmm.